there was a brigade chaplain, and then there were I counted ten, but like now it's not adding up in my head. But there were at least other eight other UMTs with us, um, and all of them from Fort Carson, all of them active duty. So they've all been meeting together and planning. And here I come, like, lottie dottie, hey, guys, what's up, right? Um, had nothing. Like, I was texting you that one day, like, I had nothing. Um, but made it happen. And, like, I think I earned some gold stars on the chore chart from the stuff that I did produce while I was there. Yeah. Um, and I got a little win that I'll tell you about later. But so these guys, um, they were one was a brigade chaplain then the rest of them were just with their battalions out there fighting um and they were great guys all from fort carson every single one of them every time we talked said hey you need to be active duty and i was like like even to the point where we had a fulbert colonel at our our chapel and they're like telling him like yeah this is riley he'd fit in great with our raider team like you need to talk to him about active duty like I'm talking to Colonel Keller here, like, hey, hi, nice to meet you. Yeah. Also met a one-star general who just came into the chapel when I had office hours, had no heads up, no nothing. It was like, good day, <laughs> sir. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so they were all, we got pulled back early um, to the Ruba, like, to get everything put back in. So we got pulled back a day before they did. So then that night we met, and then they wanted to have office hours, like eight-hour shifts where the chapel, because there's a chapel at the Ruba that's specifically for the UMTs that are there to use however they want to use. Yeah. Movie nights, trainings, chat, whatever. And I told him, I said, listen, Friday, I'll take the whole day. Like, just I'll sit in here. I'll, I'll be available. Like, you guys are just getting back. you got to turn stuff in. I'll have been here for a day. Like, just let me take the chapel that day, and you guys do what you need. And they're like, yeah, for sure. Like, that. thank you so much. That helps out, blah, blah, blah. And so, like, I was sitting there, and then I, this goes back to the conversation we were having about, you know, enlisted and grunt, and I get back to our tent after that shift, and there was some work that needed to be done, and our soldier says, and I'm like, see you, man. Like, <laughs> I've just been on the clock for eight hours. Like, sorry. Like, I, I, I'll come down there in a minute, but I want to, like, sit down for a second. I haven't sat down, like, all day. Um, but it was it was good. Um, but before we go too far, let's just say this. Welcome, everybody, to the Two Chaps Pod. Tonight is yeah. going to be a free-for-all. You've been seeing our podcasts that have been actually pre-recorded and pre-scheduled because I just got back <laughs> from California for the past month. So while it looked like I was present in recording podcasts, that was all done prior to September. Mm. And so we have some stories. I got some uh, maybe wisdom, maybe not wisdom. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But some stories for sure of what transpired at the National Training Center in Fort Irwin over the last month. It was a doozy, but not Mm. as bad as they made it out to be. (laughs) And I only died once. I'll tell you that story. Oh, all right. But how are you, Coleman? Ah, I missed you, bud. Yeah, I have missed seeing your face. Um, I've listened to the as they've come out, you know, the pre-recordings and stuff, and I realized something that not only do I have a face for radio, but I also have a voice for silent movies. Oh, stop! <laughs> and, Get out of here. Yeah. Here we are. I, I, I've been critics. thinking. I've been thinking on that one for. Like weeks, I'm like, oh, this is. But great. that is how this. long it usually takes you to make your jokes up. So I get it. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, exactly. It does take you a while. So, yeah, no. Um, 
things are good. It's been busy. Yeah. Uh, been, I mean, busy is usually good, uh, but some of the busyness has been like, you know, like people in the hospital and yeah. stuff like that. So, um, yeah, there's one of the big kind of things that we've been dealing with. One of the topics I've been covering in Bible study is suffering. Like, and it's really kind of spawned. Seems from, like it's a theme. Yeah. That's and, literally what I taught on the entire time at NTC. Like I taught yeah. first Peter the entire time I was there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we have had some things that happen. I mean, nothing like extremely tragic or anything, but sure. just the realities of life setting in on people and, how do we deal with that as Christians? And so that you send was, them to the two chest pod. Uh, no, I did not. I I, I should have, uh, but that didn't come out until like midway through. Well, you can uh, send September. it to him now. Yeah, well, that's true. But yeah, and so that's been interesting in that regard. And then, I mean, school has started up for mm-hmm. Anna, uh, which is you know I mean, still doing homeschool, but they have a co-op, so that's yeah. been. That's been fun. I did spend. I got. I was at my, ours this week. Jess was not feeling good, so I was yeah. the one that had to manage work while I'm taking Jack to the community for homeschool. Yeah, it was interesting. It was fun. Um, do you, do they make you teach anything, or make Jess teach anything? So you have to be. So we do the teaching throughout the week, but then on Tuesdays is our community day, yeah. where we meet at a local church with all the other people that are in our community, yeah. uh, and then they break out based on their age levels, and they have tutors that will like go over the content for the week or the week prior. Um, and so I don't teach anything yet. I'm actually not allowed to teach anything in the community setting until we've been a part of the program for a year. Gotcha. Okay. Which lines up well because they have a high school program coming out next. Like our, our community will need to add a high school level. Yeah. And so I would like to, you know, venture into that yeah. potentially cool. because it's all classical education and philosophy and debate. and Yeah. You know the fun way to learn things. All, all the of... stuff that we should have learned in correct, yes, <laughs> grammar school, and correct, elementary and middle, yeah. Um, but then also, uh, so I spent my first weekend with my new unit. Yeah, that's that's interesting. How'd that go? Well, the most surprising part, I guess, was the first time I've been in Iowa. We flew into the airport and didn't and made it made it to Iowa good, that was uh, good that was big you know to do but as we landed like I'm looking around and it's just the airport and then farmland it was so strange because I've yeah, I, yeah. I don't know that I've ever been to nothing I, I mean I've been to like municipal airports mm-hmm. taking little hoppers yeah where yeah those air those airports are kind of just one strip one runway out in the middle yeah. of nowhere and the terminal is you know, 20 20 feet by 20 feet <laughs> yeah but this like was two a, gates. Yeah. And but this was like a legitimate, you know, airport. It was Des Moines, right? Uh no, Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, they I think they had six or seven gates. But yeah, coming in there was like no skyline, no nothing. It was farmland. And so that was that was unique. Todd. And then the unit, like it was it was good to meet people and to kind of see how things are going. And they were they were excited to have a chaplain there, so I was excited to be there and provide service. We had mm-hmm. six people, which was like, whoa, wow, you know, it's a, kind of a, a, I'm not a record, but a good percentage compared to other places that yeah. 
uh, I've been in. That we had probably... 10. We were getting yeah. like 7 to 10 at, at NTC. Yeah. But a lot of that had to do, I think, with the air-conditioned tent, like I told you. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I, you know. Yeah, I mean, hey, whoever <laughs> comes. And I got to actually serve my first Muslim soldier uh, while I was there. Yeah, I got to um, provide, obviously not perform, right. but right. I was able to provide for her. Um, they... We're saying, hey, we have a Muslim soldier who was wondering, like, if it'd be okay that she prayed. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I went and met with her and was able to provide the tent five times a day for her to come and do her prayers. Very cool. The look on her face, Coleman, when we were working on this was the exact reason why we do what we do. Yeah. Now, we obviously would not agree with her faith background, but she's entitled to what she believes by the First Amendment. It's my job to make sure she gets that. And I told the commanders that, hey, these are the Muslim prayer times. If your Muslim soldiers want to pray and they are not on a mission, they have every right to pray. Yeah. And they can be there. Um, but the look on her face was priceless. Like, Great. just the joy when she was like, I can do this, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, we had our chapel hopping eight different times a day. Awesome. Three services, five Muslim prayer times. It was fantastic. And so, then, And then, what? of course— the other, the other thing that we have not been able to talk about. Oh, is football. The, the Detroit Lions. I know. How about that? Yeah, I and... mean, listen. Um, <laughs> this is, and, and this is not a sports show. We could make it a sports right, show yeah, because could. I could talk forever on uh, sports. Speaking of which, I've got a sports story that I have to tell you about okay. this past weekend. You already know a little bit of it, but. Um, Three and one is exactly where I figured they would be after four games. Now, I thought they would lose the first week and then win right. the next three. So the fact that they beat the Chiefs and then lost to the Seahawks is is somewhat disappointing. But I'm not mad. Like I'm not going to be like, oh, there yeah. three and one, yeah. and you own. Like I think that's three or four times in a row we beat the Green Bay Packers. Now, yeah, like the Lions are a team. Yeah, to pay attention that's, to. I. Uh, uh, saw a buddy of mine today and I who's a big Lions fan and I was like I think I'm gonna have to switch my orange and black to blue and silver because yeah, does Joe Burrow really not have a touchdown pass yet I know uh, four I think, weeks yeah I think we have like a total of 21 24 points maybe wow. something I mean it's it's the it's Lions have averaged terrible. 20 points over their last like 12 games yeah we were I mean that's uh, crazy we we scored now, we scored 24 in our loss. We lost 27-24 to somebody. And then, I mean, we got blown out by the Browns. And, uh, hey, and then you've, had, you've had your years and opportunities. Yeah, yeah is, no. And like I told you, there's room on the back, bandwagon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not the front seat. You're not getting the front seat, but you can hold on to the back at least. I will. All right. I figured I'll, you would. I'll hitch my wagon to your wagon. There we go. Yeah. There we go. So, awesome dad moment this week. I got back, right? We got back late Thursday night, last Thursday. Um, and, like, before we went into the box at NTC, I te- I looked up and I texted Jess and I said, hey, if there's any way you can get tickets to the Saturday Tigers game, because I've been ta- telling Jack all year, hey, I'm going to take you to the Tigers game. We stay up and watch Tigers games. Like, he's really starting to understand baseball and and enjoy watching it. Not necessarily play it. He's not interested in playing it, which is fine. I'm not 
I would love for him to play it, and I'd love for him to be involved in team sports, but I'm not going to be the dad that forces sports on their kid because I was a former athlete. Like, I want him to find his interest and, and do that. But he's starting to like and enjoy baseball. Um, so we got tickets to the Saturday game, which was Miguel Cabrera's second-to-last game because mm-hmm. Sunday was already sold out. Like, we would have gone after church right. if that was available. Um, I got to take him. I know somebody that works in the clubhouse, so I was texting them before the game, and I was like, hey, can is there any way, like, we can come see you, right, like, just at the top of the dugout, um, and could you get us a ball, right? And he's like, yeah, for sure. Like, just text me when you get here. I can have my phone up until the game starts. And I was like, great. So we got in. We walked down to the dugout, <clears throat> and I got to, like, and Jess has a picture. I think I sent it to you. Yeah. But, like, I got to hold Jack up and – you you see like the Riley on the back of my hat. He's got mm-hmm. a Tigers jersey that says Riley. Nora's yep. standing right down by my side, and I'm like pointing and showing him like this beautiful expanse of of a baseball diamond, right? Right. And then our buddy got us a ball and flipped it to us, and it says Gracias Miggy on it. And then we got up to our seats, and we're we're hanging out there, and like you got to understand, like you know my passion for baseball. <laughs> like yes. I love baseball, and it's something that I've always wanted to share you know, with my son, but it's not something that I've ever been like, you have to sit here and watch this and love it because I love it. Yeah. But Miguel Cabrera came up for a second at bat. We are finally in our seats after all the walking around and marigold rounds and, you yeah. know, snacks. And like, we finally were <laughs> sitting down and Miguel hit a double and Jack was sitting on the end and had a perfect view of it from where we were sitting. And he just started going crazy and cheering, <laughs> and I was loving it. It was oh, like the best awesome. moment. Like, I, it was so cool. Yeah. It was so cool. Very but, cool. Yeah, it's it's so small, like, you know, yeah. moments, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I. Yeah, no, I. so I, it's not to the level that you had by any means, but on Saturday or Sunday, it must have been Saturday, yeah, it was Saturday, when college football was on, and uh, USC was playing, Maybe, yeah, because uh, my, my father-in-law's favorite team is USC, so uh, Southern Cal. It's unfortunate. Uh, it's, that's, yeah, that's where he's from, but anyways, so I'm, okay. I'm that's, sitting That's understandable, though. Yeah. So I'm sitting At least there. it's not Notre Dame. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, uh, don't get me started on that. I won't, uh, I won't. I won't. And Louisville plays Notre Dame this Saturday. Anyways, the uh, we're sitting. I'm sitting in my recliner, you know, watching the game. Yeah. And all three of the kids come out, and they all sit on my lap. Yeah. And watching, and that's it, like, man. Yeah, it was like this is yeah. great. Yeah. You know? so. It's like there's so much crap i guess you could say when it comes to being a parent right that just like the daily grind of like you know our responsibilities right love serve protect train provide that like getting those windows of like just enjoyment yeah that you would talk about pouring from a full cup that's the kind of stuff right there that just yeah. like instant refill yeah right like I was on cloud nine set. Like nothing could have ruined Saturday, and and it gives you energy into you know the next few days because I enjoyed like some of my fondest memories of a as a child. My grandma was a huge Tigers fan. Yeah, like huge. And 
Love that woman to death. She was just amazing. Uh, incredible. She would st- she would nap during the day so she could listen to the games <laughs> on the radio when they were on the West Coast. Oh wow! Yeah, like she was a fan. And so every year for her birthday, her birthday was July 9th. So every year around that time, like my dad would get us tickets and we would take her to what was then Old Tiger Stadium. And those were some like I love those moments, right? And so then to yeah. be able to kind of like close that circle yeah with my son was yeah. awesome yeah uh, and that's like we have we've been to i've not taken simeon to any sporting events we did go with anna um to the big house oh yeah and that's the first time i would ever been in the big house Crazy. and and it was michigan and army i was wearing my army shirt it was the game that Army should have won. Yeah, no, a no few offense. years ago. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the day that uh, that was the day that Nora was born. Really? Yep, yep. Wow. So that was the day that Nora was born because oh. we. Uh, I was like, Jess, I have to watch this game, and so we were like making preparations, and I'm like, it was time was getting close, and so I had the TV on, and I was watching it, and then all of a sudden she's like, we gotta go, and I was like, what? No, no, okay, let's go, (laughs) right? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, did did she enjoy it, or was it crazy? I I mean, she she was really too young to to kind of figure it out, and where we were sitting, we were in the. I mean, we were behind the goalpost. I don't know how Michigan State or Michigan Stadium's oriented. I guess it would have been the north end. Yeah, maybe. Um, Most football we, fields are north and south. That's why they tell running backs to run north and south, not east uh, to west. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Most mm-hmm. football stadiums are oriented north and south, which is why the coaching point is get north and south as quick as you ah, can. Good. Yeah. As a Makes running sense. back. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, we were the in the north end zone, and we were pretty close to the speaker, so it was really loud. Oh yeah. And the other thing is, it was it was a noonday noontime game, September, and it was September, and so mm-hmm. it was like eighty degrees. Yeah. And so we only stayed for a half. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think she enjoyed it, but again, she was so young. It was, and I, and I think that's one thing that we realized too with Nora this last weekend was. I don't think she expected it to be as loud as it was, like when mm-hmm. Mickey got his hit and all that, and she was like, I don't want to watch this anymore, right? Like, it yeah. was so loud. But, yeah. man, what a, um, what have you been what have you been reading over the last month? Because I told you I was taking some books with me. Yeah. Um, and it led me to a thought. I We've been reading this together, correct? Or at least you've read it before, and I've been reading it. Yes. Okay. Um, has American Christianity failed? And I'm not through it yet because it's I'm trying to digest it as I read it instead of just speed reading it. Yeah. But we've had this conversation before. Well, first, what have you been reading? Because you looked really excited when I asked you that, and then I'll get <laughs> yeah. into my question that it will kind of probably dominate the rest of our conversation. Yeah, sure. Um, so I finished that book that I brought up in one of our podcasts uh, earlier, uh, The Road to Character. Uh, it was interesting. It was my, there were, and we actually had a discussion with other pastors on this book because that's, that's kind of how it was, it was assigned mm-hmm. that way. And we all kind of reached the same conclusion. We, we really enjoyed the writing and these kind of biographical sketches of different individuals, how they were 
how they modeled character in certain ways. But that was one of our critiques was they would he would kind of give you the the character sketch or the, the like figure sketch, but then really wouldn't detail like what is it we're supposed to pull out of it because there were there were a couple that was like yeah, I don't know, like I guess we're supposed to learn not to do that or whatever. And then also at the very end, it was, and this is where in one sense, it would be very applicable to kind of a military or pluralistic environment because a lot of the stuff that he was talking about is, was everyday like human experience uh, with your soul and with your emotions. But at the same time, it is also uh, not complete enough in terms of the gospel. So and it, it's it's not meant to be an evangelical book by any means. It's just a, his observation of people and what it means to recapture and recultivate in people this idea of character. So uh, that was that's kind of my critique in terms of like what I is that we were asked the question, would you recommend this to a fellow pastor? And I was like, ah, I don't know because it it doesn't there's not if a pastor is studying the Bible, he's going to get the same things that he would get out of this book. And I think you get it more clearly in the Bible. So that was kind of my, my takeaway. from it. So that was, that was one. Uh, I've read, I've started reading this other book called The Lonely Way, which is written by a pastor, a Lutheran pastor, who uh, the, the book is, are letters and essays that he composed. And, it's 1927 through, uh, I think this. it's two volumes. The first volume ends at like 60, uh, maybe 57 or 60, somewhere in there. Anyways, but the what was crazy, and it actually has to do kind of with that book that you were talking about, um, the, Has American Christianity Failed? The opening essay is on American Christianity, and he's writing it from a German perspective in 1927. And the things that he brings up are the same issues that are going on today. And I was just like, this is crazy. Because it, it was so, uh, the word that kept coming to my mind when reading it is prescient. Because it would have, like, he was spot on with how these things would affect the church in the United States. Now, where some of the differences lie is how what he was wrong about with how confessional, particularly Lutheran churches would respond. And that's, that's interesting also because that that plays specifically into my tradition, my heritage, but what he expected from us confessionally was to be able to, to give kind of a response and an answer to some of these problems. Well, what ended up happening and he lived, long enough to see this at least in part is we ended up turning in on ourselves so that's kind of a different discussion but it was that's been a very fascinating read so far sounds and all, like a good one yeah and then also just uh biblically uh, i've been going through and translating first corinthians because i'm doing a study on that and I, man it just in first corinthians one there's so much that is there and I, I, it's just. It's, is that where you start all of your study? Is do you always start by translating it yourself? 
Yes. Like when uh, in most, yeah, like for sermon prep, I need to uh, be better at that. And for, for studies. Yeah. If it's, a, if it's an exegetical study and even, even some of the topical studies, if there's a passage that's pertinent to topic, I will often translate that because there, there is depth that's recognizable in the, in the original language. It's not, always conveyed in the English language yeah. and that's just because we lack the words or the structures yeah. to convey that so yeah. I need to be better about that yeah. that's I tell you man it, like <laughs> sometimes there's not maybe a better thing to do than to spend a month away from everything <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean uh-huh. like um, I worked myself through as many of Paul's epistles as I could. I tried to read like five psalms a day while I was out there. Um, but there was something that he talked about in this book, and I'm trying to find it. The book is Has American Christianity Failed? Um, and it's by Brian, Brian Wolfmuller. Wolf Wolfmuller, yeah. yeah. Um, and he makes a good case. Uh, I mean, he makes incredible points um, to the point where I'm like, marking up just about every page with <laughs> exclamation points. And at one point, I wrote something in here. I want to see if I can find it. Cause, oh, yeah, I literally wrote, etch this in your soul. <laughs> and this is what he said. Dear Christian, the gospel is for you. The forgiveness yeah. of sins is for you. Jesus and his death and his resurrection, his mercy and his grace, his undeserved kindness are still for you today and always. Your life is hidden with God in Christ, and it is his lavish love and kindness, not your obedience and commitment, yeah. that make a Christian life. And yeah. I was like, etch that in your soul. Yes. Right? But he, he talked about, and I can't remember, I can't find it, which is really irritating me because we've talked about this previously. Uh, you know I'm working on a book on uh, the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. but I'm stuck on a chapter Yeah, still. Still stuck on this chapter of thy will be done, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like he hit on it in this book somewhere, but I can't find it right now. Yeah. Talking about the will of God, which I feel is a question that a lot of Christians yeah. ask mm-hmm. continually, right? And and there's some passages in Scripture where Paul will very clearly say, this is the will <laughs> of God. Right. Which means, you know, we should make sure that we know what that is. But even in, like, okay, I'm just going to lay all of my cards on the table right now. Um, And hold on, I got to also mention the elephant in the room. We are both repping Captain America (laughs) tonight. Uh, I think he's the greatest Marvel superhero. Others would disagree with me, but you would be wrong. I just want to throw this out there. It was not planned. We just ended (laughs) up being in Steve Rogers' apparel uh, tonight. Maybe that was the will of God. Right. Who knows, right? right? But um okay, so laying all cards on the table right now. So I kind of struggle um as far as the stewarding of my gifts go. And what I mean by that is I know where I'm meant to serve the community and the the body of Christ. That's through teaching the scriptures and it's through um, expounding them, whether that's through written word or through Bible study, content creation, whatever that is, like that's that's my avenue, right? I'm, 
I can do the pastor stuff. I'm not as good as some when it comes to, you know, the pastor's heart and caring for people. Like, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, let's just not be an idiot. But that's that, you know, I'm not I'm not a jerk. I can care for people. Right. And yeah. I feel like I got actually pretty good at the, that this last month, like listening to people and, and taking care of them. So I've always struggled and kind of had a little bit of an identity crisis. Um, and every conversation I had with another one of the chaplains that was at NTC with me was, you need to be an active duty chaplain. Honor your call, because the reserves is a call too. You need to be an active duty chaplain. Confession time. Adam has not been in full-time ministry since 2013, though that's what I felt I was called to do, right? Yeah. And so as they're telling me this, I'm starting to think, okay, is maybe some of the rub that I've had, you know, personally or whatever, the fact that, yeah, I'm serving as a chaplain, but am I fulfilling my call, Mm. right? And so Jess and I are now working through the process of praying through should we go active duty or is there a, you know, change that should happen to where I'm back in ministry full time again. I mean, I'm not out of ministry, right? I serve as a lay person at my church. I'm leading our right. Bible study. I'm teaching when they, you know, need things filled. But I started questioning that, which leads to, okay, we talk about these calls from God, right? We talk yep. about the will of God and the Lord's prayer saying, thy will be done. What do we mean by that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I've really struggled. Like, this is the chapter. Every other chapter I would have no problem writing right now. I cannot finish this chapter. Yeah. I have an idea, and I know we've talked about this, but yeah. is God's will something that we need to figure out, or is it something that he has clearly expressed in Scripture that is not as difficult as we make it out to be? So, um, it's the, I'm going to say it's the latter, Yeah, more, much more than the former. Um, and when we, when we talk about God's will, there's always, even from the beginning, and we've talked about this on almost every podcast. We can't get out of Genesis. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But, but I mean, that was his will to create and, Mm. and, and it was out of his sheer love that he does this. There was no compulsion, you know. He's not under any constraints for whatever. And just out of pure love, he made everything that there is, and he set it up the way he wanted it to. So his will is kind of bound up in that, that we should be the creatures that he made. So that's the, when we think about what is God's will for my life, well, it's to be who he made us to be. Our problem and everyone's problem, is sin. And so, in another way, the, the will of God, then, is to believe in how he has dealt with sin. And that he has done that specifically in Jesus Christ, yep. and reconciled the world to himself through Christ's death uh, and resurrection. And so, that all would come to believe that. I mean, that's that is clear in scripture. He's not willing That's, that any should perish, but exactly. that all should come to repentance. Yeah. Exactly. So that is the will of God. 
that right. we be restored to him through the forgiveness of sins, reconciled to him and be his creatures. And then on the last day that he would raise us up from the dead. So that's kind of the broad spectrum. Like that's it. And then in, this isn't exactly, I think I've mentioned this passage before, but you know, when the Jews come to, to Jesus and they say, what is it that we have to do to be doing the works of God? Yeah. And he's, Jesus simply responds, believe on the one whom he has sent. Yeah. Believe in Jesus. So that is really, if, if you want to know what the will of God is for your life, it's to believe in Jesus. Yeah. It's to believe in what he has done. And then We individualize it, though. Right, and, and maybe yeah, yeah. that's where we muddy the waters. I, yeah. I Maybe that's kind of because, and we've had this discussion because I know it because I got a crick in my neck turning around in a Humvee <laughs> trying to talk to you about this on the way out to Fort Custer. But it was a question that was presented to me when I was a first-year you know, college student of how do you view the will of God? Do you view it as a straight-line path that you cannot veer from, or do you view it as more of a guardrail through yeah. which decisions within those guardrails are then the will of God. Now, having matured theologically since then, <laughs> right? Like, I understand God's sovereignty and God's will will not be um, frustrated, meaning right. that there is a straight-line sovereign will that exists, yeah. regardless of the decisions that I may make within a guardrail of sorts. But when you come to kind of these crisis moments of, am I doing what I am supposed to be doing, the conversation naturally is always going to go back to, well, what is the will of God for my life? Yeah. Right? Right. Which maybe is influenced by the tradition that I've grown up in. Maybe mm -hmm. it's different for people of maybe your, you know, Lutheran tradition that maybe that's not a question you guys asked. I don't know. So a couple things with that there is so what we're talking about really in one sense is the absolute truth of god's will and is it, it's immutable it's on yeah. it's unfordable you know? yeah. yeah but then also how do we experience this and because of sin both our sinful natures that still hang around in us mm -hmm. but also sin in the world we don't experience it as as we ought. We have when we lost the image of God, or when the image of God in us was corrupted in the fall, that mm. put us out of step with the will of God. And it's only by His pulling us back in are we there. But even when He does that, are we do we experience that all the time? Well, no. Uh, it, it just it, it it kind of the only the the most explicit times when we feel it or know it or are in it is when we are receiving from him his word and then responding to that. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, that's the, that's, that's really it. But he has also placed us with various gifts in various vocations uh, in, and, and in various you know, seasons of life, if you want to call it that, in which it, it is not, you know, like you can't, you can't just sit around and read your Bible all day without taking care of your children. Like right. that's, you know, that's where uh, in a real sense, when Jesus talks about the, uh, 
traditions of men that the Pharisees have created, and you know they say they offer uh, Corbin, which is devotion to God, instead of taking care of their parents. Yeah, and that's that's it. It's kind of this whole, uh, yeah, pietistic or legalistic solution to, or, or loophole, really, not even a solution to escaping one responsibility that I have by saying I've got a holy responsibility over here. Mm-hmm. That's 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 against God's will because Correct. that ends up being and sin. And the reason that Luther left the monastery. Right, right, yeah. exactly. That's exactly right. So, yeah, the this you know, how we experience it in our daily lives, we, we don't know how, I mean, not we don't know, but I don't know that we can articulate it in that every individual choice and every individual thought and every individual breath that we take is like this is you know consistent with god's will but where it's not that's why we pray the lord's prayer forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us yeah that god would not hold our sin against us nor deny our prayer because of that but that he would keep us firm in the faith and that we knowing that our sins are forgiven in christ would then forgive and gladly do good to others so uh I'll read an explanation that Luther gives for what is, you know, the will of God. What does it mean to pray thy will be done? And this might help. So God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, which do not want us to keep God's name holy or to let his kingdom come, the earlier petitions in the prayer. And when God strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and faith, until we die. This is his good and gracious will. So again, that leaves a lot of room in there, but ultimately it is when God defends us from yeah. the forces that would want us to, that would want to take us away from him and when he sustains us by his word and in faith through the power of the Holy Spirit until the day that we get to meet him face to face upon our death. So the the more we talk about this, the more I, I I start to think or wonder of maybe we've misconstrued that term, or maybe even misused that term. Well, I just need to know the will of God for my life, right? Yeah. Um, and may, and again, maybe that's totally just a Baptistic, you know, traditional thing that that you know tends to be more about. I hate to like really rag on it, but it's more about. So, I, I hate to like overstate the case, but it's like a self-actualized faith. Yeah, you know what I mean. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Well, yeah, I, I, and I'll, I yeah. I'll, I'll, so I'll... I just so I I wonder like, growing up Lutheran, was this something that you struggled with, or remember like sitting there questioning like, oh, what's the will of God for my life, or <laughs> Is it more something that we're like, you know, we try to figure out, like, we, we want to honor God. We want, you know, to bring the most glory to God. So how, and I, and I understand that we can do that through various vocations. We've talked right. about that, right? Like, yep. I can do that not in full-time ministry. But at the same time, is there a point where I become like Jeremiah, who's trying to <laughs> run away, and then all of a sudden it's just like, shut up in my bones, right? Oh, okay, yeah, uh, that, okay. Well, I was Jeremiah thinking Jonah. 
No, not Jonah. Yeah. He was a racist, and I don't like him. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow. No, that that's was a like, hot take. Uh, no. That's funny, though. That, that, I, been, I, I, yeah. I, it's been a point of, that's actually, Jonah's been a point <laughs> of discussion among, like, uh, some inner circle <laughs> friends. Yeah. Um, because I just I heard somebody one time say, he was such a good guy and such a good prophet. And I was like, have you yeah. read the book? He's right. not. Yeah. He hated them. Like, and yeah, anyways, that, yeah. hold on, that's a rabbit trail. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry for that hot take. But yeah, no, one commenter that I read said it was very prejudicial the way that he. Yeah. I, I that makes sense. And, and yeah. I would, I would agree. Yeah, anyway, so I just threw the R word out there because that's the, you know, buzzword for 2023. Right. Um, but no, like Jeremiah, like, so if I feel like I honor God, I feel like I'm glorifying God, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I do that through various things, right? Yeah. The way that I love my wife, the way that I raise my kids, the way that I serve my local community. But is that just the good and I'm missing the great? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like. Yeah. And maybe that's still self-actualized, and I need to stop thinking that way. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so to comment on the, the self-actualization, I do think that that is a huge problem in the church at writ large. Yeah. Because we, and this is this is coming from uh, a guy named Philip Reef, who is a, not a Christian, but is a, a sociologist, I believe. But he wrote a book, um, The uh, Rise of the Therapeutic, or the tri- maybe it's the triumph of the therapeutic. Some, anyways, one of the one of the lines, and this is I haven't read the book. I just had it presented to me, but the line that stuck out was, uh, "Religious man was born to be saved. Therapeutic man is born to be pleased." And what he's talking about is that this is the self actualization. That as long as I come to, I'm happy with what's going on with you yeah. that I am fulfilled in myself. That's, that's a therapeutic goal. Yeah. And yeah, for um, sure. And that is not what Christianity is. Christianity is, well, really the opposite. Die to yourself, right. live yeah. to Christ. Um, so there, there, I do think that what you're talking about is a, just innately in our culture has infiltrated and we see it in, large swaths of Christian, and I, I mean, it's, yeah. it's very loosely called that, but basically self-help people that use the Bible as their text instead of some yeah. psychology book or something. So that, 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 that would be one part of it. The second thing is, you know, and this is always, this is, and this is not easy, but when we're all, when we're asking a question like, what is God's will for my life? Yeah. Where are we putting the focus? Correct. Is the is the focus on me or is the yep. focus on on God? No, yeah, for and, sure. And again, that's not an easy thing to to just like turn off. That's that's literally what sin is is yeah. turning away from God and in on self. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's even as Christians, that's what we struggle with. That's what Paul in Romans seven talks yeah. about. The thing that wretched I don't man do, that I, I am. Yep. Yeah, and. and and so that is, it, now hopefully as a Christian, when as you continue to mature, that becomes less and less, but it's still there. And even in our, our thoughts, uh, 
you know, uh, and, and it's just those, it's those initial reactions to, mm-hmm. you know, somebody cutting you off on the highway or, you know, yeah. or, you know, even more of just like somebody challenging your authority or whatever yeah. it is. That's a difficult thing to, to wrestle with in terms of when we ask that question, what is God's will for my life? The answer is clear in scripture. This is it. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yep. And then it's it's also clear that God has gifted you with certain things. Use those. And when I say gifted, not only like your physical yeah. talents and abilities, but if he's placed you as a husband, that that's a gift, a gift. given to you. Yep. And or a father mm-hmm. or pastor or in anywhere in a community. So it is recognizing those things and then there is a sense of Christian freedom in a in this draws on something that Luther actually wrote a book called On Christian Freedom, which is interesting to compare it with uh, his other book called The, the Bondage, Bondage of, of the, the Will. Will. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. So but but the the key thesis in that uh, subject to none, but he's also now I'm completely messing it up. And it's in that I'm pretty sure it's in that uh, in the book uh, Has American Christianity Failed? But it it is he is subject to none master of all but he is uh servant to all master of none and it's this paradox that what luther is saying is that as christians because our eternal fate is secured and because we have god's promises and we have god with us even now who hears our prayers and who continues to nourish us and guide us by the holy spirit that we are not bound or enslaved to anyone we are set free yet what that freedom is to be used for is always in service to the neighbor so again that takes the perspective off of me and my life and my self-actualization and my all those things and instead places it on okay who is in front of me that i can serve at this time and where can i and how can i best serve one final thought on the, you know, am I doing good or greater? I, I don't know that it maybe. Maybe that's the wrong question to ask or the wrong way to think about it. Yeah. Cause, uh, and I think, yeah, you know, before it, when it comes to before God, there is no good or greater. There is Correct. Jesus or not redeemed or not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like it's Correct. Jesus or it's nothing. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there is no degree in, in regard to that. Which again, I, which again could be traditional, you know, um, teaching, you know, the jewels and the crown that we lay before his feet and, you know, the mansion on a hill, like, which is very Baptistic in nature. I fully recognize that and, yeah. and all that, but, you know, I just, well, it, it, it's, it, and that's, it, not, it's, that's ah. not to take away from the no. idea that there will be rewards in heaven, but for sure, heaven. But that's not our goal, right? And when we make it the goal, it becomes a self-actualization of, yeah. look at what I can yeah. lay before the feet of Jesus, which again is the complete antithesis of what the Bible teaches, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it becomes that in that regard, then even my Christian faith becomes a means to my ends correct yeah, yeah because because then it becomes uh, right. again about me and yeah. and it's that's not it that, and it, that goes back to the quote you read 
anything that that is about me is well it still has to do with sin mm-hmm. but if it's anything that's for me it's all jesus like yeah. it's all his doing and it's imputed to me as you know imputed righteousness is yep. kind of one way that to talk about it but it's all it's all his his gift mm-hmm. for you uh, and that everything that he has done is still for you today as a Christian as well. I don't know if that helps clarify things, but I, I, yeah, I do. It, it, honestly, I was looking back at my notes from the last time that we talked, and I was like, I got to have this conversation with him again just to kind of like clarify it, like because I go back to Micah six eight two, right? Like he has shown you, oh man, what he requires of you. Yeah. To seek justice, to love mercy, right? To walk yep. humbly, right? Like, that's pretty explicit of what <laughs> God requires of us. That Allah, yeah. his will, right? Like... Not Allah, but... No, not Allah, but, but <laughs> right. Allah, or right. therefore. Yeah, or, right. Yeah, his will. No, not... Yeah, but... <laughs> Sorry. Thank you for derailing <laughs> yeah. that. Um, yeah, no, it... it Again, I mean, we all have, I hate the term deconstruction because of the way that it's been used recently, but there is an element of traditional deconstruction that should probably take place once Mm -hmm. in a while, right? And it's the, well, as Peter uses the imagery in 1 Peter, like gold refined in a fire, right? which is what sufferings do to, to purify our faith. The same thing should be done when it comes to our theology. Yeah. Right? Our theology should also not be, you know, reworked and 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 completely um revamped continually, but it should be well, Peter again says grow up in your salvation, right? Yeah. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Like all of that sanctification aspects of okay, I know this is what I believe, but why do I believe that? And what right. is the scriptural basis for me to back up the beliefs? I mean, just well, the transformation that I've had over my lifetime of recognizing the sovereignty of God, right? Um, recognizing in a lot of ways, to steal Luther's title, the bondage of our will, mm-hmm. right? That the choice that we had was made in Genesis 3. right. <laughs> ultimately yeah and you're exactly and, right i mean you want free will we were given it and we failed <laughs> once <laughs> yeah you know but then but then that doesn't mean that god drags people to salvation kicking and screaming but he woos them and changes their heart to the point where they desire him yeah you know yeah so um there's no oh, not God's will was that I would lose that thought. No. Yeah, there you um, go. The, what Peter says, when, uh, be always be, always be ready to give a defense yeah. of, your, uh, of mm-hmm. the hope that's in you. Apologia. And, yeah. And, and the, that is, when we talk about growing up in the faith and maturing, it is so that we, we can do that. But it's also that the... Faith can be passed on. I mean, that's the, when, you're, when you're talking about, um, you know, we're we are always Which, is, and ultimately not to cut you off, but ultimately, like when it comes to the will of God, there is a faith aspect 
a hundred percent involved. In yeah. It. Not, not just necessarily believing on Jesus Christ because that's the base level. I understand that. But even like what, in the way that I brought it up, right. If, if Jess and I are praying about this situation and we logically come to this conclusion, then we have faith that that's what God has willed for us. And we move into that. Right. And that's, that's the other thing. Cause yeah, even, even thinking about like marriage, marriage is an act of faith. It is saying, God, you have given me this person. Well, first, God, you've established that man and woman is good, that Mm -hmm. this institution is a wonderful thing. Not good for man to be alone. So that's the first part. Second is, God, you have brought this person to me, and she, she has, in our case, she has shown herself to be faithful to you, and that she is willing up with my shenanigans that's a big part of it but but it is it is still an act of faith that we are we are going to commit ourselves to each other other. and then having children is an act of faith because it again god has instituted it in the beginning it's Mm -hmm. a beautiful and good thing and so when we do that we are acting on faith trusting all right god you will give us this gift and and as our children are gifts to us that we honor them as such. And that really that honoring is not spoiling them or babying them, but it's teaching them the fear and admonition of the Lord, raising them in that way that they would then continue that, that they would live their lives in faith to again, follow what God has instructed for them and, and called them to do, which Again, goes back to the vocation. Our primary vocation is Christian. It is redeemed, and I'd say baptized because you can't separate them. Child of God. That's who you are. That's who God has called you to be this day, and he's calling you and continuing to call you into that unto eternity. Yeah. And... Which is one of, and I think maybe the best point that Wolf Mueller makes in this book has American Christianity failed is the American church has gotten away from the fact that the gospel is for Christians. Yeah. Yeah. We only preach the gospel as if it's for unbelievers, but we have to understand that the gospel is as much for Christians right. as it is for yeah. everybody that we're trying to evangelize, right? Like, Yeah, and, and it goes back to that. God's that, will being our well, repentance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's it, and it's and right. it goes and it goes back to that that sinful nature, that old Adam that still hangs around us, yeah. that doesn't want to listen to God, that doesn't want that, to, that wants and, to cover up with fig leaves. Yes, yes, mm, yeah. yes. Um, I mean, and wants to cover up its shame and hide it. Mm-hmm. Does not want to does not want to bring things into the light. And yeah, but that's where, this is a Luther quote, and I've shared it with you before. I preach justification every week because my people forget it every week. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really true. We have to preach that this is what Christ has done is for you. Correct. Now and always. Yes. Um, the only reason anyone gets into heaven is because of what Christ has done for you. Justification is the doctrine upon which the church rises or falls. Is that not what the quote is? Stands or falls, yeah. Stands or falls, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, there's nothing like a month in the desert that'll really get you soul searching. <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah. So, uh, you had your time with your unit. Let's move back into our casual conversation at this okay. point. Yeah. Um, I died once at NTC. Yeah. Did I tell you this? No. I, I want to hear about this. Yeah. So, uh, I I so aptly named it the sacrificial lamb doctrine. Um, but there was a seaburn attack. And I was told by our Seaburn specialist that they were taught in school that if there are no test kits available, then they use the least mission-capable person. Yeah. And they were taught in school that this was most likely always going to be the chaplain. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. So I played it up. I was like, okay, sacrificial lamb. I'm just doing my job. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So we had a seaburn attack, and they didn't have any test kits. So Mass Sergeant comes over to me, and he goes, Chaplain. And I go, you don't have a test kit, do you? And they're like, no. Do you have anybody? And I go, I heard it's me. Let's go. Like, you know, I'm paying the big, big bad hero, right? Yeah. He goes, sir, I, I really don't like this. And I go, listen, <laughs> we're just following what they were told, right? It's... It's notional. It's CS gas. If there's some out there, I'll get a runny nose. I've had sinuses anyways. I'm cool with it for right now. So I take my mask off. There's no seaburn in the area. Like, there was no CS gas at that point. So it didn't affect me at all. But the OCs come over and go, scenario's not over, you're dead. And I was like, okay. If I'm dead, I can take my mask off though, right? I don't need to keep this thing on. They're like, no, you can take it off. So I was like, great. So I'm sitting in the talk, just chilling there. And this colonel comes up, and he's like, a colonel also, he's like, explain? And I went through the whole, this is what Seaburn's, but he goes, but a specialist made that decision? And I go, sir, I'm going to be honest with you, like, this is, I'm just kind of following, I agree with you, I probably should have came from the BC, or, you know, somebody like that, but I'm just trying to do my part, right, just to, if this is how things are supposed to go down, he goes, I don't know who told you you were the least mission-capable person, <laughs> but I am telling you, at this point, you are the most mission-capable person. Yeah. Like, if there's ever a time that we need a chaplain, it is right now after we've had this attack. I go, I like you, and I agree <laughs> with you, 100%. Yeah, you're right. But I'm dead, so I can't do anything about it yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so uh, that was the one time I died. Um it was <laughs> it was validating because not only did that colonel come and say something, our colonel came up and he goes, don't ever do that again. <laughs> you yeah. are not ever allowed to die. We need you. And I was like, yes, sir. But I will. My wife thanks you. I thank you. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Like, um, so there was a lot of validation that, that yeah. occurred um, for what we, and, and, I think a lot of that speaks to what we were doing previous to that, right? Because right. all of the org- all of the units underneath us that were working our support with us were non-organic to us. Mm-hmm. But by that time, I knew all of them. Yeah. I had relationships to the point that I was being invited to poker games with them. Yeah. And they were like, oh, you're in if you're being invited. To-. And I was like, yeah, I know. but And I cleaned you out too, sorry, but I beat you. <laughs> Um, and so, 
it it was very validating. It was interesting to be running away from fire. Mm-hmm. Which I was instructed to do. Yep. To the point where I actually got into it one time with one of the with the CSMOC. He after one of the firefights, he was like I don't know what you're doing, but you got to stop running around everywhere. And I said, excuse me? Who are you talking to? Like, I wasn't running around anywhere. I have a radio. I heard it was in this sector. I ran to the opposite sector. <laughs> Nowhere near anything. So I don't know who you were looking at, but it wasn't me. And he's like, well, you got to understand. Like, I'm looking at 100. I go, I understand your job's difficult, but get your information correct before you come yelling at me. Because I wasn't running around anywhere. And then we had one of our match sergeants go, Sir, he was talking about me. He actually, like, he described the route that I ran all over the place. He was not talking. I go, I know he wasn't talking about me because I was hiding in a freaking ice metrics trailer. Like, so I would not die. Right? And I asked RCSM, I go, was I out of the line? He goes, no, that guy's an idiot. (laughs) I was like, okay, thanks. Like, good. Yeah, good. Because, like... Dude, I know you're there to coach, but I was doing exactly as I was instructed. Don't tell me I was doing wrong. Right. Right. It was fun. It was. Had 15 chapels in a week, which was awesome. Um, One of our religious affairs specialists did not have a fully stocked first aid kit. So they ended up with mine. And they gave me their pouch, so I just threw one of our combat Bibles in there. And I was like, this is the only first aid I need. (laughs) (laughs) Right. People got a kick out of that one. Um, But it was, I mean, look, would I want to go back? No, I would not want to go back. (laughs) But was it as bad as I thought it was going to be? No. Did I pack way too much stuff? Yes. 100% I packed way too much stuff. Oh, my gosh. I wore one uniform the entire time we were out there until we got oh, back to the Ruba. Yeah. I wasn't even cha- like I had a plan. I was like, okay, I'm gonna change on this day, and then I'll only use two uniforms, and I'll have a fresh one when we get back to the Ruba or turn everything in. And it got to that day to change, and I go, that's only a few more days. <laughs> <laughs> like it was, I was basically wearing the uh, the desert camo at that point because it was so dusty and so yeah. like light discolored. Um, but yeah, it took way too much stuff, yeah. which is always my curse. The first time I go somewhere, yeah. I always end up, I did have coffee. I made coffee with an MRE heater. Cool. Not the best cup of coffee in, ever. In, in a canteen cup or. So, plain? so I, okay, this is going to sound like major first world problem. So I want to be very <laughs> like, I'm going to, I'm going to preface it with, I understand how bougie this sounds. The one concern, I didn't care about clean clothes. I didn't care about anything else. The one concern I had leaving Michigan was, how am I going to get a cup of coffee every morning? That's all I care about. <laughs> right, yeah, I just need right. one cup of coffee. Yeah. Like, I even bought the caffeinated Mio's so that, like, yeah, I could yeah, get yeah. some type of caffeine, right, yeah. if I couldn't get coffee. Well, my aunt had a sun kettle. It's like mm-hmm. a little, like, a tube, like, this big. And it would open up with, like, mirror reflector plates. And it would boil water. Mm. It worked once. Mm. And then it like fell apart because it wasn't put together very well. 
So I'm like, okay, how can I do this? Well, I mean, in the box, I told you I had an AC tent with electricity, so I stole the Spose coffee pot and made a pot of hot water, poured it into my canteen cup with instant coffee, and then used the rest of it to shave with, right? Mm. Um, but there was one training where all the UMTs were brought to a different place. So we were taken away from our soldiers and everything, and we were with um, human, legal, um, psyops, and uh, civil affairs. So we had a multifunction team, right? And we went into a village that they had just, like, the infantry had just cleared. And so we had to go in there to, like, repair relationships and meet with local leaders, right? Key leader engagements, right? Yep. Which was an awesome training, and I can talk more about that later because that was the one win. I'll I'll tell you that in a second. But anyway, so out there, like, I didn't have electricity, I slept in the truck the four nights we were there because I didn't want to put my tent up every night and take it down every morning. Yeah. So I just slept in the truck. Um, so I just I used the little heater that's in the MRE bag and got it as hot as I could, which was not very hot very often, and just had a warm cup of coffee in the morning. But we had our key leader engagements. We're trying to figure out. There's a cartel in the city that's running everything, right? Mm-hmm. But we can't figure out if the local priest is part of the cartel or not part of the cartel, yeah. right? And they can't figure this out, and I ended up having to do my religious impact assessment, like my brief the night before we left. And so I gave them my idea. I said, I think we should – the people need food. The people need water. Like, let's get them food and water. But they're also distraught that this pastor has not held services for months since this attack took place. Get him the food with the caveat that he holds services for his people. Let him control it, but only give him a three-day supply so that we know if he's trustworthy or he's not trustworthy. And the commander of that task force, that that multifunction task force, he looked at his first sergeant and he looked back and he goes, We've been brainstorming all day. And that's the best idea we've had. <laughs> and and Micah like looked at me, and I looked at Micah, and I, and I was like, "Yeah, we're reservists." <laughs> <laughs> so that was yeah. my big win. I cool. saw the the chaplain OCs like fist bump each other when they heard that too. I was like, "Okay, yeah." The guy that came in handwriting every piece of product that he had to do because he didn't have access to anything, and had to borrow a sergeant's laptop so he could send his reports up every day. Yeah. I came up with the best idea. Thank you very much. There you go. Turns out the priest wasn't dirty. I thought he was the whole time. But ended up working out fine. Very good. Yeah. So that was NTC. Didn't see a single snake. Thank goodness. <sighs> Saw one scorpion. Yeah. That was dead. Because it got too cold tonight, and it was, like, sitting on one of the other chaplain's uh, uh, chairs in the morning. Like, it was, it was like, this big. Mm. It was, like, right on top of his chair because he had, like, left his stuff in, on the ground. But it was, like, dead. That was the only scorpion I saw. So, no danger. Yeah. Successful trip. It was. Everybody came back alive. That I told you. Right. I don't care if I fail everything, as long as everybody comes back with all their fingers and toes, all their limbs, and their life. And from what I understand, 
all 4,000 people that went out there came back. Good. And there was only one really close call where someone almost got ran over by a truck. Hmm. But they had just moved in, like, the nick of time, and, like, yeah. their foot got ran over or something. Ooh. But no and damage. Like, was no. back in the fight, like, later that day. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen those new JLTVs? No. Oh, my gosh. Those things are insane. Like, they're crazy looking. I don't know. Yeah, it was a very successful trip. Played a lot of spades. Played a lot of euchre. <laughs> I was very unlucky card-wise when it came to euchre. I got yeah. beat by one of our religious affairs specialists four times in a row. <laughs> One of those times being when we played in Fort uh, in Fort Custer, and he, you know who I'm talking about, would yeah. not let me live it down yeah. at all. <laughs> to the point where I was like, okay, we're playing, but you and I are not on a team because I'm going to beat you at some point, and then you're going to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man. It was good. It was good. Yeah. California sucks. It was so expensive. Yeah. Like, they had all this, like, food at the Ruba when you got back, but everything was, like, $20, $25. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you take all these specialist money that they just made, like... <sighs> awesome. But it was successful, yeah. and I'm back, and we are back. Yeah. And we will be coming back at you next week for another episode of the Two Chess Pod. Make sure that you've liked and subscribed on YouTube, and follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, give us a download, a like, rate, subscribe, do all the fun stuff that helps us get the word out there because people need to hear what we're talking about. We're going to keep doing it even if they don't listen. We appreciate you guys, and we will see you guys next week.